0: The following message by Shane Sowers is brought to you by Central Baptist Church, Aurora, Colorado. www.cbcarora.com. Second Timothy chapter three, verse verse sixteen. Um, when Christian Herder was governor of Massachusetts, he was running hard for a second term in office. One day after a busy morning chasing votes, he didn't have a lunch, he arrived at a church barbecue. It was late in the afternoon and Herter was famished. As Herter moved down the serving line, he held out his plate to the woman who was serving chicken and she put a piece of chicken on his plate and turned to the next person in line. "Uh, Excuse me, uh, Governor Herter said, do you mind if I have another piece of chicken? Sorry, The woman told him, I'm supposed to give one piece of chicken to each person. Uh, But I'm starving, the governor said. Sorry, the woman said again, but only one per customer. Governor Herter was a modest and unassuming man, but he decided that this time he was going to throw a little weight around. Do you know who I am, he said? I am the governor of this state. Do you know who I am, the woman said. I'm the lady in charge of the chicken. (laughs) Move along, mister. (laughs) Authority. The Bible is understood as being the thing that carries authority today. When it comes to being in charge, the Bible has a lot to say about that. So the last time, if you remembered when I uh, preached, <laughs> it was probably a bad idea that I did, but we talked about a very important topic. Uh, the topic was, does God exist? Now, I hope that after hearing that sermon that there's no doubt in your mind of the existence of God because there's no way to make sense of anything if you don't believe that God exists, you take God out of the picture, nothing makes sense. The existence of God, it's undeniable because of the impossibility of the contrary. It's impossible for us to make sense of anything if we don't believe in the existence of God. But the next issue that comes up when it comes to our culture and it comes to our time of, of our conversations, when it comes to even evangelism, if we understand that there are no such thing as atheists, remember that, right? Romans chapter 1 makes it very, very clear. There is no such thing as atheists. Now, people will say, you know, that there's no such thing. I mean, that there are, is such a thing as atheists, Right? But the Bible makes it very clear that God, so for what can be known about God, not all of it, but what can be known about God, God has showed it to us so much so and in such a way that nobody is going to have an excuse. He made that clear. He made that absolutely abundantly clear. So because of that, that's why I said that our posture as Christians when people say, hey, you believe in God? Yeah, I believe in God. And they always say this. Then you got to do what? Prove it. We don't have to prove it. It's already been proved. God's word made it very, very clear. He's showed it to us. Showed it to us. So much so, and in such a way that there's no excuse So, if we don't provide proof to demonstrate God's existence, what is our offensive? What is it that we're supposed to do? Again, we follow Scripture. And what does Scripture tell us to do? Scripture doesn't really give us the mandate for us to demonstrate and to prove the existence of God. What Scripture tells us to do is we are supposed to destroy arguments that lift itself up against the knowledge of Christ. We as Christians are mandated to tear these arguments down. Anything that's trying to lift itself up against the knowledge of Christ, we're supposed to tear those things down. So we destroy these arguments. In other words, we break down secular worldviews. So we do. Atheistics, agnostic, deistic, secular worldviews that come out we take them down. And it's super easy to do that. It really is. It's not difficult. You know, a lot of people are, well, but Shane, you know, you went to seminary and you learned all this stuff, man. You know, you 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 are able to do that. I didn't do it, you know. I didn't, I didn't go to Bible college. I I you know went to Sunday school. You know, that's all I did. I I don't have the ability to go up. Yeah, you, yeah, you do. You do because of the impossibility of the contrary. Without God, you cannot make sense of anything. Do you believe that murder is wrong? They all say that. Yes, I absolutely believe that murder is wrong. Why? Because. Because what? Because everybody thinks so. Do you know why everybody thinks so? because because everybody thinks so. I, I don't understand, Shane, why this is such a problem for you. Do you not know why? No, I know why. I know why murder is wrong. The question is, do you know why murder is wrong? They can't answer the question. Family, we're talking about PhDs. Smartest physicists in the world cannot answer these questions. Why? Because with God, you can't make sense of anything. Two plus two equals four. Absolutely. But why does that matter? Because it does. Well, why? Why should I believe and why should I care that two plus two equals four? If I want to believe two plus two equals five, why can't I? And they go, yeah, you would be wrong, but I guess I can't stop you from doing that. Yeah, absolutely. Why? Because without God you can't make sense of anything. But but Shane, I can count. Yeah, you can count. I'm not saying you can't count. You can count because you are made in the image of God. That's the reason why you can count. But what you can't do is you can't account for your counting. You see? It's impossible. You can't function. You can't have, you can't complain. Did you guys know that? That's the one thing I said. You know, that's the one thing about not believing in God is you can't complain anymore. Seriously. Because what are you complaining fo- of? What, are, what would be causing you to complain? Well, because this person it was mean to me. Well, so? Well, they can't do that. Why not? Do you think it's okay for you to treat this person badly? Uh-huh. Do you think it's okay for him to treat you badly? Uh Uh-uh. Well, which one of you is right? Without God, you can't make sense of anything. It's impossible. So, all of that sum up what I talked about the last time. So we destroy arguments. We show the weakness of atheism. Right? We show weakness of atheism because we already talked about this very important thing. Right? If you are an atheist... There is something that you actually have to assume before you can be an atheist. Do you know what that is? If you're going to be a theist, you first have to assume what—that there is a god. It, it just—you see what I'm saying? It just falls apart immediately. You have to assume that there is a god before you can say that there is no god. Evidentialism, science, rationalism—we t- all these things, all the limitations—we tear these things down, showing that without God, you cannot make sense of anything. But then, this is what happens: the tables will turn. This always happens. You see this in culture. You see this when we evangelize. We see this when we're having debates. When our, when our, you know, our heroes in the faith right now, when they're out there debating, uh, we see this always happen. What ends up happening is they will start to attack. The Bible. We prove, that, you know, the existence. Of God's there. We tear down the worldview. They go, oh, okay. Well, you know what? You're not in any better situation because you believe in the Bible, and they will start to attack the Bible. The question is, are we now able to withstand the attack on the Bible? Do we know how we are going to respond when it comes to the world attacking the holy scriptures? See, many times we can't give an answer for the hope that lies within us with gentleness and with respect when it comes to the Bible because many times we're not even sure what we believe about the Bible. Uh Uh-oh. Oh, man, it's going to be one of those sermons. Get ready. Buckle your seatbelt. I'm okay if you need to take your shoes off. We're not even sure what we think when it comes to the Bible. Is it really God's word? Because I've been hearing even preachers in our culture today telling people that the Bible is just a compilation of letters that were written by men from their own minds. It's just a book that was written by men, just like any other. The question is, is it really God's word? I watch the, the History Channel, and I'm watching all these PhDs from all these prestigious universities convincing everybody that the Bible is just full of myths and legends. You get this all the time. It's just myths, it's just stories. You know? Just, you, know, you know, Shane, that there are books that are older than even the time of Abraham that had flood stories. And, you know, those are all myths, and those are all legends. And, and, and it's the same tired argument that comes, like the epic of Gilgamesh, and, and, you know, they have a flood story, and so Noah copied from them. So it was just a bunch of myths and stories that they just keep copying. And these PhDs are ramming this stuff down everybody's throats. And because they're PhDs from prestigious universities, we're supposed to take this serious. When the Bible is the only flood story that actually sounds and reads like a historic document. You know the bible doesn 't have no noah 's account doesn 't have ish, things where Gilgamesh is having to put food on a rock so that he can watch all the gods and the angels come down and descend upon it like bees and flies and start to eat the food because they 've been starving to death <laughs> noah 's account is reads like a historic account, you know oh but Shane you, all the stuff and one of the things that they hammer is they 're just like the, nobody rose from the grave that's just the myth that's just legends and so what happens is there's an event that happens and over you know hundreds of years 50 to 100 years it all gets embellished and all these huge things they make jesus out to be bigger and better than he is even to the point where they're actually telling people now that he rose from the dead it's an absolute travesty that this happens it's all myths it's all legends we shouldn't believe that the bible is has anything to do with god's word it's just a bunch of stories and all that stuff. So the thing that's funny is, um, the thing that's funny is, did you guys know that in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, do you know that passage of scripture that I, that I, I believe I have quoted every single sermon that, that I have preached here at Central Baptist Church? It goes something like this. Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures. And he was buried and he was raised according to the scriptures. Did you guys know that that's actually Paul quoting a creedal formulation that was formulated by the church? It wasn't something that he just came up with. He was quoting a creed that had been flowing about uh, in, the, in the world at the time. And you know what's amazing is that all, uh, virtually all of the biblical scholars that date that creed. They were just like, well, this creed that Paul was, you got to remember, right, in 1 Corinthians, it was about A.D. 50. So if we say Christ died, let's say Christ died A.D. 33. Okay, that's the standard date, right, A.D. 33. A.D. 50, A.D. 51 is when they were talking about Paul possibly wrote 1 Corinthians, right? So we're talking less than 20 years. But here's what what the amazing thing is is that creedal formulation that Paul quoted that that quote <laughs> that all that the biblical most all the biblical scholars will date that at AD 35 so in AD 35 the entire church was saying Jesus died for our sins according to the scriptures and he was buried and he was raised on the third day all according to the scriptures 2 years after Christ died It's not enough time for it to become a myth. It wasn't enough time. It couldn't have been a myth. Right? Because they say myth takes 50 to 100 years. It happened two years after Christ died. It, couldn't have had, it didn't have time for the legend to be built. They were already talking about the resurrection of Christ. But we've become culturally trained today... So we'd say, "Hey, come on, Shane, you're saying this stuff in opposition to these guys. These are PhDs from reputable universities who are on TV, man. All you are is this quick-mouth pastor in Aurora, Colorado who can't even get 20 views on his YouTube. And I'm supposed to believe you over these guys. Hmm. Got you thinking, didn't I? Why should we listen to you? See, so the question remains even though I gave you those facts, even though I told you and, and that, that none of this stuff is true, even though I told you that, do we believe that the Bible is the Word of God? I mean, this is the thing that's interesting. Our culture teaches us that this is what we're supposed to do. You know, Shane, he's, he's a pastor of small church. You know, he, he, he don't know what he's doing, but these guys are successful. These guys, you know, they know their stuff. They're PhDs from reputable universities. The, the Discovery Channel, the History Channel, they recognize the skill, so they put them on so that they can speak on these truths. That's what our culture says. That's what our culture teaches us. But you know what God says? God looks down upon pastors who are committed to the word of God. God looks down upon me and said, approved, a workman rightly dividing the word of truth. Do you know what God says about them? Their minds are darkened, they're confused, and their hearts are hardened. That's what God says about them. Culture doesn't say that. That's what God says about them. What God says about us that we are competent to counsel. God calls them fools. Culturally conditioned. And it continues to cause confusion when it comes to us, even how we're even looking at the word of God. So the question remains, how are we supposed to demonstrate the amazing special revelation of God that we call the Bible When we are not sure we even believe that the Bible is the word of God. Let's be honest today. Family, I kid you not. If we're just honest today, this is going to help us. Just be honest. we got to be honest. Be honest, it will help. Do we really believe that the Bible is the word of God? Now, many of us is going to say, yes, Shane, come on. I believe that the Bible is the word of God. My question today is this can you tell the difference between really believing the Bible is the word of God or really wanting to believe that the Bible is the word of God? See, that's the trick. Not the trick, but that's the issue. (laughs) I think for many of us in modern evangelicalism today, yeah, we, we think we actually believe that the Bible is the word of God, but in reality, we just really want the Bible to be true. I'm not so sure that it actually is the Word of God, but I really want to believe it. And we go home and we just force, you got to believe it, you got to believe it, you just got to believe it. And we try to force ourselves to believe that the Bible is the Word of God. But deep down inside, we may not be too sure. I'm just not sure, Shane, if I really, if if you ask me honestly, I guess I'm not sure. But I really want to believe that everything in the Bible is true. I really want to believe that. Then we ask the question, well, where is our hope? We say today that we've got hope. What are we putting our hope? What are we putting our trust in? Is our hope in money? Is our hope in technology? Is our hope in our government today? Is our hope in success? Is our hope in successful people? Or is our hope in the scriptures, like we read in Psalm 119, verse 43? Psalm 119, verse 43 Never take your word of truth from my mouth, for I have put my hope in your laws. You know, recently, recently, it's, it's, it's amazing. Recently, you know, we've been dealing with the whole. Um, uh, the, the revival, you know, the revival that was going on in, what's, what's the state, Kentucky? Yeah, was it Kentucky? No. Yeah, yes, it was in Kentucky. Okay. The, you, know, you guys know which one, the Asbury Revival. Is it the Asbury Revival? Yeah. yeah, okay. You know, it, it, all this talk about revival and it just all, the, all this kind of stuff. And the thing that I thought was really interesting, you read Psalm 119, and the author writes, revive me by your word. We don't need to go and travel to these places. It's right here. We can be revived by the word of God unless you don't believe it's God's word. Never take your word of truth from my mouth, for I have put my hope in your laws. If this is the case then you know what, family? If we really put our hope in God's laws, if we really see this as God's word and we have hidden his words in our heart that we might not sin against him, if this really is the case, then did you know there's no problems for us today? Yeah, this is the setup. This is where I'm going to get you. Then really, there's no problems today, is there? Think about it. If you really believed in the promises that God has given, that He promised us grace upon grace upon grace, that He promised to show us mercy, to promise to show us long suffering, love, compassion, to be our help in times of trouble, to be our firm foundation, then we've already got all we need for life and godliness, don't we? unless we don't believe that the Bible is God's word. So what are we really saying to ourselves when we doubt? Do we really believe that God's word is worth more than millions in gold and silver? Because the author of Psalm 119, verse 72, Psalm 119, verse 72, your instructions are more valuable to me than millions in gold and silver. Hmm. Do you think that that's the consensus, that that's the consensus belief in modern evangelicalism today? That we actually believe that the Bible is worth more millions in gold and silver? What so many of us will do today for a million dollars? You know, people will be like, man, there's not a lot I wouldn't do for a million dollars. Right, I'll eat this, I'll eat that, whatever. Million bucks? Yeah, there's not a lot I would say no to. What so many of us will do for a million dollars, what so many of us will do for even less than that, But when it comes to the Bible, obviously for many evangelicalism today, evangelicals today, we've got better things to invest in. And we continue to struggle to even read what the God of heaven's armies says is worth more than millions in gold and silver. You know, I'm talking to one of my friends, and, and every single time I talk to him, I ask him, how many times did you go on your phone and check your stocks today? Oh man, he's, he's, so like, he's so into his stocks and everything like that. I mean, he'll check his his TD Ameritrade, his you know, his E-trade, all that kind of stuff. He'll check that thing like 20, 30 times a day. And then I asked a simple question at the end. How many times do you read your Bible today? Uh Well, uh, you know it It was just a busy day today, but I will tonight. (laughs) Interesting, interesting, and the God of Heaven's armies says that the Bible, the Word of God that you have, is worth more—way more than anything you got in your TD Ameritrade account. It's worth more. It's more valuable. Now, I know some of us may be coming back here thinking like, whoa, wait a minute, man, this is hard, it's hard for me to grasp. Yeah, it's the, because it's the reality of our culture. The reality is we believe that a million dollars is worth more than the Bible. The Bible is just, you know, that's the thing I read occasionally, and that's the thing that I put on my coffee table to get everybody that visits my house to know that I am not a psycho. I am not crazy. I'm a good person because there's a Bible sitting on my coffee table. What so many of us will do for a million dollars, when it comes to the Bible, it's different. So how in the world are we going to defend something and rest in something that we don't really believe is worth more than a million dollars? So when the culture comes against us, how are we supposed to defend the scriptures when we don't even know what we think about the scriptures? Well, you Christians think it's the word of God. Well, yeah, it is. Can you tell me why? I'll share something something being honest here. Hey, Jack, can you turn that off? So I did something that was probably a little edgy. Um, I'm having a conversation with this guy on Instagram as we're evangelizing, right? We're still evangelizing. I'm in a conversation, and he, he talks about the Bible, and he's just like, you know, I know you're you know you're a pastor and all this kind of stuff, and he just goes, you, your your Bible is just messed up. Your Bible is just, I don't understand why you would put your faith in something like that. That is just a, you know, the Bible, you know, condones slavery. The Bible condones the killing of children. The Bible, you know, has all these contradictions. The Bible is historically inaccurate. Bible, blah, blah, blah. It starts to go on all these things and issues that the culture throws against Christians when it comes to the Bible. And he goes, so obviously, before you start telling people about the Bible, maybe you should go read the Bible again and check your work. So I got to be honest, that kind of bothered me a little bit. Okay, I'm going to be really honest. That ticked me off. So I said, you know what, I'll bite. I'll bite. I, and I went on. And Instagram is cool because it lets you write you know, a lot. So I answered every single one of those questions and ended up saying, so the next time maybe you should do your work and check who it is that you're fooling with before you start accusing me of not knowing. He hasn't responded yet. Probably not going to respond. But you know, the thing is, do you know why people do this? And that was another side conversation I had with another person on Instagram. Do you know why people do this? Because people in the world Accuse people of that and they say that about the Bible, and you know what Christians do? Yeah, I don't know. You know, I've always wondered about that, you know, I guess, but you know, I'm still gonna try to believe that the Bible's the Word of God, but you know, I don't know why the Bible does this and I don't know why the Bible says that. I don't know. I know that it's not culturally relevant and all that kind of stuff, and so we just, you know, don't. And then I asked the other guy, I said, yeah, but you know what? He knows I'm a pastor. And you know what he said? I do this too with pastors all the time. The pastors don't even know the answers to these questions. He goes, "I think you actually shocked him that you actually knew how to respond to that." Now, again, I'm not saying this to tell you guys or to, to toot my horn or anything like that. What I'm trying to tell you is that we have a problem in modern evangelicalism today. We're the we're Christians, evangelical Christians. Don't even know the Bible, the very book we say we believe is the word of God. How can we say that we believe that the Bible is the word of God and be so ignorant of it? It's so simple. It's not like any of this stuff is is foreign. We, We can see this. We, can, we got answers to all of this type of stuff. You know, why are we breaking down? Why are we hunkering? Why, why are we afraid to answer? And then you see on, on social media that, uh, you know, these, these, these guys are like ravenous wolves, man. I post a video and it's like they come out of nowhere, and just, and it's just the next thing I know, I wake up in the next morning, I, I flip up on TikTok and I got over a hundred. You know, Cand- Candace sees this because, you know, C- Candace has been following because she, she gets involved sometimes. Um, and, it, and it's really cool when Candace gets involved because she, you know, she's all emotional and stuff. But uh, I'm, I'm just kidding. She's not, she's, re- she's really good. Um, you know, and, and you, these guys come out like ravenous wolves and they just say like the meanest, meanest things to where Christians now are disabling comments. What are we afraid of? We don't need to be ashamed of the word of God. Every time the Bible, for 2,000 years, every time the Bible has been under attack, Anytime, any scientist, any PhD, any rationalist, anybody for centuries, smartest people in the world have come against the Bible and have waged wars and came across and attacked it and shot it with bullets and shot it with you know, bombs and, and even literally burned this book every single time when the dust settles and the smoke clears, all we can see is the Holy Bible standing. It survives every attack, and it has for centuries now. Family, well, but, you know, they ask a really good question. Yeah, and all you got to do, and this is the thing, the one thing that's actually saving Christianity today is Google. Seriously, I know people are like, "Oh, Google, that's a thing that's destroying." No, 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 it's saving Christianity. You know why? When somebody comes up well, "What about this contradiction?" You know, when Matthew, you know, says this and Luke says this and there's a contradiction, type in that contradiction in Google and 50 to 100 answers to that question is going to pop up like that. Why? Because these answers have or these questions have been asked for centuries. And Christians throughout all of the centuries have answered these questions. It's done, family. It's done. So we're not sure that the Bible is worth more than a million dollars. So then what are we doing? Let's be honest today. Because here's the thing. Being half in and half out when it comes to the scriptures, it's not going to be a help in the long run. Spurgeon writes, I would recommend you either believe God up to the hilt or else not believe at all. Believe this book of God, every letter of it, or just reject it. There is no logical standing place between the two. Be satisfied with nothing less then a faith that swims in the deeps of divine revelation, a faith that paddles about the edge of water is poor faith at best and is little better than a dry land faith and is not good for much. Spurgeon said it himself, either believe it or don't. Because this halfway, I kind of believe that it is, but then I kind of not, all that kind of stuff, that's not going to help us at all. That's not going to be of any good. That's what I pray. I pray for Central. I pray every day that we will believe the word of God, every letter of it, to be convicted, to be convinced and to know every letter of the scriptures because it's not going to help us to be half in and half out, half with God, half with the world, trying to live life with an undivided heart because in the end, all that's going to happen is Christ is going to look at you and say, depart from me, I never knew you. Yeah, that's all it's going to be. Let's be honest. Half in, half out, not believing, believing, all this. There is no, I can have my cake and eat it when it comes to Christianity. You can't. No, you can't. Well, Shane, what is the minimum that I have to know in order for me to get into heaven? Well, I'll tell you what the minimum is. Jesus says, go into all the world, make disciples. Baptizing them and teaching them some of the things I commanded you. No, no, no. What's the maximum? What is? What's the minimum I need to know? The minimum you need to know to be a Christian is everything. There's no half in half out. There is no halfway. And here's the thing, family. I mean, seriously, trying to go through life kind of believing the Bible and not believing the Bible, kind of this, kind of that, that's not going to help us at all. All that's going to do is bring us misery. And all it's going to do is make us mad at God. I mean, think about it, right? All we're going to do is just get mad. All we're going to do is just get frustrated. I mean, it's just, God, why am I suffering? Because the Bible said we would. Why am I going through persecution? Because the Bible says all who desire to live a godly life will be persecuted. It didn't say may be persecuted, will be persecuted. Oh, but Shane, you don't understand. I want to be blessed. Blessed are the, those who are persecuted for my name. Do we not believe it? Or has the culture come in and influenced us so much so and in such a way that we think that we are following Scripture when in all actuality we're following the culture? Do you know what I used to do all the time when I was a younger Christian? Actually, I think... God just showed this to me last week. I can't remember. You know, you guys ever do this, this thing where it's like, okay, God, I'm doing this. I'm working hard to do this. And it's just not working out. And I, maybe this is just not your will, right? You guys ever do that? Yeah, I, you guys are not any. I'm hoping everybody has at least at some point gotten to this. this is just, I just don't think that this is your will, it's not succeeding. It's not doing anything good. It's not helping anything. It's like failure. I just, I just wish that you would tell me. Could you just give me some kind of a sign or something that will say, hey, you know what, Shane? Yeah, you don't need to do this because this is just failure. Failure. And you don't, you don't need to do this anymore. You need to do this. Because if you do this, this is what's going to succeed. See, this is fair. Can you just show me so that I stop wasting my time failing? You guys ever, ever, these are these moments, and I have these moments where I'm just like, can you just do that so I can just not, I can just not be this way anymore? And then it hit me. I'm, I'm praying and it hit me. And I just could not believe how much culture continues to inflict and to infect our thinking. Because really what we're saying there, God, culture, sees value in success. Therefore, I need you to point me in the direction where I will be able to fulfill and to have what the culture defines as successful. This is the reason why we, people will be like, I just want to know what God's will is for my life. No, what you really want to know is not God's will. What you really want to know is what path do you have to take that's going to lead or give you more success. Because if I don't do God's will... If I don't walk my life in God's will, I'm going to fail. Is that how scripture defines success? When God told Jeremiah that he wanted Jeremiah to preach, what did he tell Jeremiah? Right off the bat, he just made it very clear, Jeremiah nobody's going to listen to you. That means every sermon you preach, people are just going to be like, ah, nice job. See you later. Well, are you going to change your ways? No, but it sounded good. Failure. No, no, no. Because as a Christian, the Bible tells us that we are supposed to walk in His will, whether we see it as failure or success, it does not matter, because in the end, it's not about my success, it's not about my failure, it's about whether God is glorified or not. Can God be glorified in our failures? Yes! Oh, yeah. I mean, if you want to be technical... If you want to be technical, many in our pragmatic society today, many would even say today that God is a failure. Because we decide good, bad, right, and wrong in our culture. It's all decided based on whether it succeeded or whether it failed. That's that's how we're judging things. Right? Does God want us to evangelize? Yeah. But if we go, hey, we we, we could tell a lot of people about Jesus, but I I think it's not going to be a a very fruitful thing, so maybe we shouldn't do it. Does God tell us to do those kinds of things? No. He tells us to evangelize. It's our job to tell people the gospel. It's his job to change their heart. So what is God's will? Evangelize. But it may not work in this setting. So what? But but Shane, it doesn't bear any fruit. It absolutely does. Absolutely does. Family? The will of God? Yeah. What if... These 15 people need to hear the gospel so that they reject it and store up more condemnation for themselves. Oh, but God wouldn't do that. Oh, yes, he would. He did that very thing to the Amalekites, had them store up judgment for themselves so they would finally be judged and he would be glorified. Right? Right? I know, I know that's the hard part. I know that's the hard part, the part that, that we think that's, that's difficult. But every single time, and this is the one thing that I have, God has shown me through his word that's very, very apparent when it comes to preaching. You know how that, the, the, the scripture in Isaiah goes where God's word will not return to him? Unfulfilled, Unfulfilled void, Right? God's word won't return. It will accomplish its purpose, right? But, but Shane, man, you know, you preach. and I don't, I don't see people coming down on the altar call. I don't see people getting saved. Because in reality, that's not the only reason. It's not the only reason. Maybe in this situation, the purpose was for them to hear the gospel, hear God's grace, and for them to reject it so they store greater judgment upon them. Shane, that's messed up. It's not messed up, it's the will and purpose of God, and it brings him glory. So that's why I say we got to be careful. And we've got, we've got to make sure that we recognize the seriousness of this. The Bible says, my sheep, my sheep will hear my voice. When the stranger comes, they're not going to follow the stranger. That voice is not familiar to them. My sheep hear my voice. They're not going to follow the voice of a stranger. Do we know God's voice today? Or are we following the stranger? The reason why we struggle with the word of God. The word of God is truth. The word of God is our light right? Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. The word is a light. But here's the thing. One of the things that's just not not talked about very much, because it's, I think it's kind of like overshadowed by probably the most famous verse in all the Bible. Anybody take a guess what the what they say is the most famous verse in all of Scripture, John three sixteen. Yes, Tim Tebow has got it under. He Used to have it under, you know. Um, most famous, but a very very important verse that applies to us today. just a couple of verses after that. Nineteen. Verdict is in. Men rejected the light. Rejected the light. Men love the darkness instead of the light because their deeds are evil. So yeah, we're not going to, we don't want to, we don't want to mess with the the Bible. All the Bible does is just show me just how, how much I've fallen short Bible just shows me just, you know, I want to do this, but the Bible says no. I don't want to do this, but the Bible says yes. I want to do things my way. I want to do what's right in my own eyes. And the Bible doesn't let me do that. God says that the Bible is worth more than millions of dollars, but millions of dollars I could there's so much I mean that would bring me real happiness just if he would just show me the money I, I would be okay life would be good if God would just bring me some then I would serve him better I would love him more I would, I, all these amazing things would happen I would be okay no, the reality is the Bible says you are okay right now. Whether you have money or whether you don't, you are okay right now because God has given you something that's worth more than millions of dollars. He has given you his word. Yeah. And in society today, millions of dollars, that gone like that, Right? I mean how many times you know I got I got friends that make, you know make one business decision and their millions of dollars are gone like that <laughs> Gone But he's given us something that when heaven and earth pass us away God's word will remain It's forever. Money gone, like vapor, gone. As quick as you got it, gone. But God's word remains forever. It'll be there trillions of years from now. God's word will still be there. Still changing, still reviving, still encouraging his people. For years and years and years to come. But it is the doubt that comes from the culture in this world that's trying to get us to to question in our hearts, just like they did in the garden. Did God really say? Questioning His Word as to whether or not it's really God or not. Questioning the Bible as to whether it's really God or not. That's the enemy. That's our culture. That's the pattern of this world. And there's promises that we can stand on. And the promise is is real. Sin drives us to this. Our rebellion drives us to this. Our evil desires drives us to this situation. And God says that the wages of sin is death. Yeah, God is going to separate the sheep from the goat. And he's going to toss the goats into eternal darkness. Judgment is coming. Judgment is real and judgment will be terrible. We're talking weeping and gnashing of teeth terrible. That is in scripture, meaning it is truth. It is the word of God. And if one thing that we know for sure, God's promises are yes and amen, and what he says he's going to do, he does. So you better believe that judgment is coming. But can we be saved from that? Absolutely we can be saved from that. Because I'm telling you, from the word of God, from the God who cannot lie, Jesus died for our sins, according to the scriptures, and he was buried and he was raised on the third day, according to the scriptures. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. He became sin, who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. He came to seek and save that which was lost. By his wounds, we are healed. So do we have hope today? We absolutely have hope today. Promises, yes and amen, from the God who cannot lie, the word of God that has been shown over and over and over again, that it is the word of God shown to us beyond the shadow of a doubt. We just, just can't doubt anymore. It's so clear. that there is life and life more abundant in Christ. And here's what's also amazing, that the Bible also says that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. All of the things in Scripture are written so that you would believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that by believing, you will have life in His name. So family, we are more than conquerors in Christ. Did you know that the Bible says that you are a co-heir with Christ? Meaning, if you are a co-heir with Christ and a child of God, that makes you a king and a queen of the kingdom of heaven. We have life and life more abundant than Christ. We've received grace upon grace. We are his royal priesthood. We are his holy nation. We are justified and sanctified. Children of the living God family, we are friends of God. And that should bring us hope. Unless you don't believe the Bible is the word of God. Let's pray. Thank you for listening, and may the Lord bless you and keep you. For more information about Central Baptist Church, go to www.cbcaurora.com.